Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, Camille. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Hi, Megan. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited we get to meet face to face. So to everybody listening, hello, hello. Uh, Camille is here to talk to us about special interests and monotropism, uh, which is something that I am like just starting to learn about, uh, mostly from Camille. So... <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive on into it. Um, but first, uh, tell people where they can follow you and, you know, just a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. Yeah, so uh, my name is uh, Camille, Camille Aponte. My pronouns are they, them. And I am on social media under um, the kind of Harmonic Divergence. So I'm the account Harmonic Divergence. You can uh, follow me on Instagram and everywhere else uh, under that. You can also find my website that way. But I am from Puerto Rico. I live in Puerto Rico. I am a neurodivergent, neurodivergent, uh, what what I like to call neuroinclusive coach. So I coach uh, neurodivergent individuals and their support systems. I also provide trainings to like schools and the workplace uh, so that we are supported and accommodated in a world that's like not designed for us all the time. So yeah, that's me. Yes. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. I love that you call yourself a neuro-inclusive coach. I think that that's really, yeah, I like that. <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah. Cause I think we sometimes, oftentimes actually we should, you know, be coaching those around the support, like the support system around the neurodivergent folks. Because, you know, the society is the one that's got to change and not us. So that's also part of what I like to do. Yes. Society is what's got to change. I love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So speaking of society, we live in a polytropic society, but autistic folks tend to be monotropic. Is that right? Yeah. So um it's I, I could later talk about how that connects to the ADHD, too, but because it's okay. I think it's broader than just autistic individuals. I mean, sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, autistically, you know, like we're monotropic. So it's like picture like it's like a flashlight and we like just fun uh, like tunnel vision. We focus on like the beam of light. Right. Versus like a polytropic uh, mind in which or theory of mind in which you're looking at the big picture, like the diffuse light, and you're just kind of capturing attention from different places at the same time. And you're like able to just like navigate, navigate a world in that's like super stimulating with all that information. So in contrast, like monotropic, not a monotropic like um, way of like interacting with the world or theory of like theory of mind, in contrast with theory of mind, I'm, you know, Ah, sorry, it stumbled. Uh, but yeah, we are um, monotropic in a polytropic, polo, ah, poly, polytropic world. Oh my gosh. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so we, the monotropic viewpoint is like the flashlight and the polytropic is sort of like a disco ball, right? With all the yeah. lights everywhere. Yeah, 
Yeah, or like a tunnel vision versus like, you know, looking at zooming out and like big picture. I also kind of visualize it as a magnet, like we're pulling like a very strong magnetic force, and especially around our interests. So those things that like make us, us, like our spins, our special interests are those that like we're like drawn to through this like tunnel or like strong beam of light. Yes. I love the magnet description. That really describes how I feel about my special interests. Like I literally feel drawn to them. It's like we were made for each other. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Like and very strong magnet. And also like, that's like very hard to break, right? Like if you're pulled through that, that's the autistic inertia, right? Like you're like sucked into this, um, like spin and you're like into the zone and from an ADHD perspective, you're like hyper focusing on something that like gives you joy, then being pulled away from that. It's very like it's, it's, it's almost painful. Like it's actually painful, like like. Hurts like our brains, like we can get like dysregulated. There's like overload when like, you know, to be pulled out. That's why we struggle with transitions, too. And yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay. So I'm having two different thoughts. So first thought, this is so funny because my husband and I talk all the time about how he is the forest guy and I am the trees. So like, I really focus on the trees. He sees the big picture of the forest. I intellectually understand his point of view, but like emotionally, it makes no sense to me. Um, and I think he feels the same way where he's like, I get it, but like, why? <laughs> Um, and it's just because that's how our brains work that's so interesting I love that yes my husband as far as we're aware is pretty neurotypical so Mm -hmm. um he's definitely got more of the polytropism going on uh Mm. that's really interesting and then my second thought was actually related to parenting um I don't know how much you talk about like parenting or anything like that but like um when I'm invested as a neurodivergent parent when I'm into my special interest or a hyper focus or something. And my kiddo doesn't like know that, (laughs) you know? So he's like, mom, can I have a snack? Mom, can I have this mom? Look at this drawing. I'm in mom. Oh, and it's just like, I'm please just let me focus on my thing. But also like, he's so little and amazing. And I also want to give him all the attention in the world. And so anyway, yeah, just it made me think of the struggle of being a monotropic parent uh, when toddlers are inherently very polytropic, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The first one, actually, my my partner is also like a forest uh, person and he's he's neurodivergent, but he's dyslexic. So mm. it's a top down, uh, bottom up thinking. So he's like forest. And like if there's something off, you'll see it. That's a dyslexic component of the forest. So he cannot see the detail, but he sees it like from the big picture, something's off. And then I'm like, every single, I need to know every single tree and leave. And I absolutely agree with the thing of parenting. But that's the thing about like understanding our brains and like having that support system. Cause like, you know, we have like those around us that could be like, okay, now mommy is like, focus on these. Like, let's just kind of redirect you right now. And it's just kind of understanding that it comes. So we could, you know, have this like monotropic like moments. I don't know if that's a way of saying it, but this hyper focus like flow states, right? We're in this flow state. And are we allowing 
ourselves time to get into those flow tapes, kind of like part of our mental health, like, you know, take care of ourselves package. And then are we then setting time aside for that? And then also then maybe doing what we got to do, our parenting and like, they're also part of our special interests at times, embracing that and like finding that balance. It's, it's interesting to figure out. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. Um, okay, so we've kind of just jumped feet first into everything about monotropism, but um, what exactly is like the monotropic theory of mind? Like, are there yeah. words to describe it beyond like the metaphor of the magnet or the tunnel vision? Like, how does it work in the brain? So this is a concept that was introduced by like Dina Murray and like Wen Lawson and others, I think lesser in around 2005 and now Fergus. Um, the keto of Dina Murray. Uh, they uh, have a website that actually currently I went again to look at it. Right now it's down, but it's monotropism.org. It's absolutely amazing with lots of resources. And they define it like they have articles they've written and they define it properly as like that tendency of the connected brain, the autistic connected brain of being pulled towards their interests. So it connects to like the hyper, like the synapses in the brain, like how the brain is connected. So from like a neurological point of view, I'm not a neuroscientist or anything, right? I am very geeky about stuff, uh, but uh, the brain is hyper-connected. So um, part of that hyper-connectedness makes us like either like block stuff out because we need to protect ourselves and just tunnel tunnel vision as a like that's one of the like theories and like okay we're gonna then block some of the external stimuli we're gonna focus and then the brain is like an interest-based system for anyone we follow our interest dopamine that's the adhd also there in the component too and when you have this uh brain that's trying to like block everything you're gonna focus on what like it's interesting to you being like an interest-based brain so, so that's what they're, how they're explaining it, although there has not been lots of research because if it's a theory developed by autistic people, like Dina Murray is autistic, Fergus uh, is autistic, I think some of the other co-authors too, um, that's not going to get as much funding and as much support as, uh, you know, the, the theory of mine, like, and or others, like, theories that are, like, Patho like pathological and funded by who know who that <laughs> uh, like other researchers are funded by like ABA practices and other stuff like that. So it's it's just not, not being studied as much. But if we look at brain scans, that has been shown that the brains of autistic individuals are like light up like a Christmas tree from all the connections that we have. And then that like that allows us to like just like get sucked into like something that we truly enjoy and just like do that. <laughs> yeah. So this is making me think of another form of neurodivergence called synesthesia. Um, mm -hmm. It's making me wonder if like synesthesia is like extreme polytropism where it's like, you know, super interconnected, seeing not just the forest, but seeing the sounds of the forest, you know? Um, and so it's just making me think of 
how all of these things interconnect. And I do think I I read something recently. I'll see if I can find the article and link it in the show notes, but, um, and we'll definitely link monotropism.org in the show notes for sure. So everybody listening, go check that out. Um, but I read something about how like recent brain scan studies have shown like increased interconnectedness in certain areas of the autistic brain and mm-hmm. decreased interconnectedness in other areas, which I think is so interesting. It's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a mix, mm-hmm. which sounds really obvious, but sometimes, especially like pop culture, pop, pop psychology on Instagram, like we tend to oversimplify <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, the autistic brain is hyperconnected and it's like, well, it is and it isn't, you know? <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, it's like a, it's just, it's like a differently connected brain then. As differently we can say. connected. I love yeah, that. But, yes. Yeah. But what I love is that you could like all neurotypical brains are turned on in the same places. So you could say like, you can punch them like, and be like, this is a neurotypical brain. Like these are the places where like neurotypical, like typically people's brains are turned on. Right. And sure. then like autistics are all like, hyper-connected or hypo-connected, as you were mentioning, at different spots. So, like, my brain is, like, as a Christmas light in some spots that are, like, unexpected and then, like, not unlike others. And then you compare it to another autistic brain, it's, like, different. But then the neurotypical ones, you could be like, oh, that's a neurotypical one. Like, so that makes it so much interesting. Yeah, I think I read something that basically said the same thing, that autistic brains tend to, there's more diversity amongst autistic brains than mm-hmm. there is diversity amongst neurotypical brains. Yeah. Which I think makes sense. It's just very interesting. Yeah. You've met one autistic brain. You've met one autistic brain. One autistic like. brain. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Which I, sure. I guess I guess it makes it also complex to define it in terms of like strengths, right? A strength-based definition like monotropism could be hard for someone to like, use for like diagnoses or something well I don't know but that's maybe one of the reasons why it has not been like study as much also kind of going back to that yeah let's talk about the difficult sides of monotropism actually I think that that's a really interesting topic like we could talk about monotropic spiral that's a term I recently discovered and like completely describes several years of my life that were really difficult so um I don't know like have you had difficulties with monotropism in your life well yes but I have I feel like that's a societal Mm. that's my personal right but I feel like it's a societal thing like because if we focus on our interests but our interest is not one that's like accepted by society or maybe accepted even by us, right? Right. Then we're gonna think that that's, we're gonna attach to it something, a negative, like we're gonna attach to it like a negative, there's will be like a negative connotation to it versus like, oh, if the person is interested in something that's like beneficial to society or it's related to your work, right? That productivity from like capitalistic society, right? Like, um, then it's like a positive thing, right? Mm-hmm. So interest is an emotion and it can be a positive or a negative emotion so if we're focusing on something that's not useful for us then it could be a monotropic like we're spiraling right into our autistic like monotropic state and then we don't we forget to do stuff like eating or taking care of ourselves or etc etc but then if the interest is positive 
and you put in place like accommodations, like you know that you're entering this hyper-focused flow state and you have snacks ready and you put alarms to take your little breaks and you just embrace it, then it's something positive. So I I don't like thinking that it's negative because I'm very strength-based, but I do acknowledge that we've all been there in those moments in which we're doing these things that are like not necessarily beneficial for us because we're in that like flow state. But if we think in terms of positive psychology, flow state is a positive thing. It's actually a term in positive psychology. And neurotypicals, right? Society, which is neurotypical, and it's the way it is, it's, it's striving for neurotypicals and everyone to like achieve that and get to that flow state. And there's books written about self-care, about how to reach that state in our brain in which we're only thinking of one thing. And so it's a positive thing when people decide it's a positive thing, right? Yeah. And when society think it's not, then it's not. Like, well, why? Like, that's my take on that. <laughs> Let me see if I can collect my thoughts here. They're a little scattered, but I think I have a point. <laughs> Classic ADHD mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like if it's something oh. difficult and rare for neurotypicals, then they value it like a diamond. But because it's easy and plentiful for neurodivergent folks, it's seen as a problem. And like, I just, yeah, I find that very frustrating. So mm -hmm. I hear you on that for sure. I will say my experience with monotropism has been a very like mixed bag. Like uh, I have so many positive experiences with it. Like right now, like running my business brings me so much joy. Like doing this podcast with you is so joyous and writing emails is joyous and making Instagram graphics is joyous. Like it's literally so fun to me. And it's because it is my special interest. I love my business. And so, um, that is so positive and I absolutely see it as a strength, but like in college, I was so, so, so deeply obsessed with my mental health. Um, my husband, then boyfriend, but he used to say like, if you applied this kind of thought and effort and attention to like anything else, you could cure cancer, like legitimately. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> holy cow. I've, he's like, I've never seen someone think so hard about something for so long because it was years. It was years of sustained obsession. Um, and this is where I really liked learning about monotropic spiral. I read an article from Stimpunks, which I'll link below, um, about how the way they described it was interesting. It's similar to the magnet description you gave was like monotropism can feel like a magnet. Monotropic spiral feels like a dying star. It's like gravity is starting to collapse and like reality is starting to collapse around you. Um, and that is very, was very much my situation and it was not pleasant. <laughs> yeah like it's the reason right it's the same concept shining to like there's shining to like different lights right and it depends on the reason and the interest and how deep we go then whether it's uh becomes something that could be detrimental to us is that what you're Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the lack of control, I think, is the interesting mm -hmm. aspect is like, I don't, I think that's where monotropism, some folks don't always see it as a strength is because there is this feeling of like, 
I can't always control when I hyperfocus. And sometimes it's a really mm. inconvenient time or like, I can't always control how deep I go into something. And like, sometimes it's not good for my mental health to get that obsessed with some, with one thing. So I can see where people get frustrated with it, but I also really love, I just love the way that you put it where it's like, yeah, but also if society helped us out with these things more and left more room for random hyperfocuses, like it wouldn't be as much of a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just even the way like I work, I work sometimes with like uh, teenagers and like school settings, right? With families and it's like the way the school is designed does not allow for uh, this flow state, right? This monotropistic flow state when they're able to produce and then they criticize, right? Why were you doing these the day before the deadline or whatever? Like, well, maybe that works for that person. Maybe they work like, you know, in a different flow than what's expected and they can produce beautiful things if they find something that connects to their interest too, because you got to embrace your special interest. That's, that's the thing. Define them, understand them. And if you're also ADHD or you might have lots of them like I do, but you know that they're there to bring you joy and just like, okay, this is my moment. And it's not going to be like the days don't flow. Like they're, you know, I work with people and they're like, I want to figure out a calendar. And I'm like, well, maybe this, maybe it's a, a cyclic calendar, right? Or maybe it's, it's not every day the same. It's not every week the same. How are you feeling right now? And just purposefully before kind of prepare yourself for that, like a state of like flow, flow state, and then like work and work towards it, embrace it, get your website done, get your like infographics, uh, cause you're like, and you know, setting it up in a way that works for you. Yeah, I think this might explain why some, not all, I mean, we're all different, but why some neurodivergent folks love college so much more than they liked high school because high school, you've got these like 55 minute blocks all day. It's like, it's kind of a nightmare for a monotropic Mm -hmm. mind, right? But in college, you've got like maybe a three hour seminar once a week and like you can dive deep and like dig your teeth in. Yes, yes. So that reminds me, I think uh, the book that I that I referenced, uh, what I mean when I say I'm autistic by Annie Kotowitz, Kotowitz, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, they mentioned these like safe, let's see if I remember, the safe state or safe mode of your brain. They're not talking about monotropism, but they say safe mode of your brain and then flexible mode. Right. And that's the thing that I'm kind of worried. Like if we don't embrace those uh, um, flow states of like monotropic flow states, we might then be always in our flexible mode, which is masking and trying to pay attention to everything. So that's the other side of it. Right. Like we maybe don't want to go into this state all the time and forget to eat. But we also don't want to go to our flexible state all the time, which uses uses a lot of spoons to just pay attention to everything, right? We can't. We have this tunnel vision and we got to zoom out. That uses a lot of energy. The reason we zoom in is to protect our brains and protect ourselves from sensory overload. And now we have to talk, socialize, listen to everything, like sounds or simulation, so that's the other side. Like we don't want to always be in the non-monotropic state because it could be detrimental too. 
is what it's absolutely oh yeah that absolutely makes sense to me I never feel more myself than when I'm in like a flow state I think yeah Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay um well do you have any last like thoughts on monotropism anything that you you know have thought about as you've learned about this that we haven't gotten to yet well maybe how it connects to ADHD like, Absolutely. Yeah. I kind yes. of don't make much. I was like, it doesn't make much sense at first. I was like, I'm ADHD. So I know we had talk about like hyper focus with ADHD. But that's again, I think that's again the same lens of it could be negative because we focus on things that we shouldn't. So for ADHD, we have the term hyper focus, right? For autistic, we have monotropism. For neurotypicals, we have flow state. I think they're all kind of like similar concepts. And why, how can a person be like me? I'm an ADHD or autistic. How can I go into like monotropic states while being an adhd And that's kind of what baffles me. And uh, something that Fergus mentioned is like, maybe we are in a tunnel as adhd but we don't see it's a tunnel. Like, you know, like we're daydreaming and we're just doing our own things. We're doing like a million things, but they're all in that same tunnel. And then being pulled out of it anyway is difficult. So we have that inertia. So I don't know if you've ever been like doing a million things and then someone interrupts you from the one million open taps in your brain or in your house. And it's like, so we are feeling that inertia, but it's more like the attention, the interest is external for ADHDers. And then the attention and that interest is internal for autistics. And then those that are kind of were both, it could be external sometimes, it could be internal, like it could be a mixture of like the two, the two like exogenous and endogenous like um, states of uh, hyperfocus. So that's kind of how they're trying to explain it in the those who have taken the monotropic questionnaire and our ADHDers and autistic are more like clustered together. So there is like, uh, let me plot the graphic because I don't want to say something. Yeah, so it's it's uh, highly concentrated. Like it's not like distributed normally. Neurotypicals are like distributed normally, that monotropic questionnaire. And then autistics are more highly concentrated and a higher, at a higher uh, score. And then those that are like ADHD or autistics are slightly over and more highly concentrated in terms of like their monotropic like tendencies so so yeah it's it's interesting they have not done lots of studies of how is monotropic uh the monotropic uh mind theory in the adhd brain but i'm curious to see what they come up with next so see how we connect absolutely it's it's almost like my understanding, at least, about the difference between like hyperfocus, hyperfixations, all of that, and like monotropism and special interests is like length of time, right? So, like ADHD hyperfixations tend to be a couple weeks or months, whereas a special interest might be like a lifetime, right? Um, so, that's always been my understanding, at least. So, I wonder what's going on in the brain to like change that and then you have neurotypical folks who it's even shorter like flow state is like a matter of hours maybe um so i don't know very interesting 
I love, I love the idea of it being in the ADHD brain as well. Cause I think you're absolutely right. Like we have all these names for this phenomenon amongst different populations, but they definitely feel connected. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think the hyper, and we do have hyper-focus. It's just that the interests change. So we do, can, we, we do enter these like ADHD years. We do enter these like states that could be long, mm-hmm. uh, but the actual interests are more like we're more flexible in the interests or we change our interests. We need novelty. Uh, ADHD brains are like novelty seekers. So you add novelty seekers into the equation, then, okay, I'm going to hyper focus, but you got to give me something new. I'm hyper focusing on all the new things I can learn on all the new hobbies I can do on all the new businesses. Like, you know, but it's, it's that. Uh, yeah. So it reminds me of two different things I loved as a kid. So I feel like autism is like that penny well, you know, where you would put the penny on the side and it would like go around and around and around and around. Um, and then ADHD is more like a pinball machine. It's still very driven by a sense of gravity, right? But in completely different ways. Yeah. 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 We're pulling different ways. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let everybody know again where they can follow you and then how they can work with you if you're taking clients right now. Um, so so yeah, they can find me at www.harmonicdivergence.com or on Instagram, they can write me a message like at Harmonic Divergence or Facebook. And and yeah, like um I guess one one thing of what I do then and how it connects is like how can we work to embrace these states, right? and support you in find that balance while still embracing your brain and not working against it so so yeah you can find me there i i yeah for coaching or conferences or seminars or trainings whatever it is that you might need Yay. Sounds wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, you know, being here and talking about this with us and everybody listening. I will talk to you next Saturday. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.